0: Last week here at Fork, we kicked off our new series, Virgil did for us, by talking about God's command to us, His creation, to prioritize and build rest into the rhythm and routine of our life. Uh, but to be honest, for the most part, when, when we talk about resting, I think we need to be real. We're awful at it. Like, we are so bad at resting. And by resting, I, I don't mean being apathetic. We're not talking about apathy here, right? Resting isn't choosing or forcing yourself to do nothing while you mentally may be doing, every, may be thinking about everything you have to do, right? I think we've all done that on vacation where we're like, I'm not going to do anything, but you sit there, you don't rest because you think about everything you have to do, right? And by resting, we, we don't mean just choosing to be lazy. That's not the rest that we're talking about. The Bible has plenty to say about that. Proverbs 13, 4, lazy people want much, but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. Or Proverbs 18, 9, this, I love how this reads. A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. God's like, lazy, they're kind of like terrorists. That's what God's saying. A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. When we talk about resting, we're talking about how God intended that you and I will choose to experience peace and rest in our bodies, in our minds, and most certainly and most importantly, In our soul. But to be honest, when we talk about this type of rest, especially you and I, we live in a culture that that prides itself so much on productivity that we find we are really, really bad at resting. Studies reveal that 37% of Americans take fewer than seven days of vacation a year. In fact, only 14% take vacations that last longer than two weeks. I read that and I was like, I didn't even know it was an option. Like, I had no idea we could do that, right? Also, Americans take the shortest paid vacations of anyone in the world. And then lastly, I think we're all we've all been guilty of this. Twenty percent of those who do, who get away, often spend their vacations staying in touch with their jobs through their computers or phones. I know I'm certainly guilty of that. The point being that even when we try and and pursue and, and really grasp this idea of momentary rest, we do it poorly. But even if we did vacation well, if we were away from work and our devices and we took significant amounts of time off, that's actually a poor substitute for the rest that God has in mind for people like us. And I think Satan relishes in this too. You know, we've all probably heard the saying uh, that idle hands are the devil's playground. This idea of like, if you want to avoid bad things, just be really busy. But when you consider what the Bible has to say about rest, you can also see that a restless mind and a tireless schedule are also part of Satan's playbook to keep us from experiencing the life that God desires. It's a life that Jesus offers that is drastically countercultural to anything that is offered to us today. As a matter of fact, this is something that Jesus addressed rather boldly. He took it head on. In the book of Matthew chapter eleven, what we, we see and then the scene that we 're stepping into is that Jesus is offering some criticism, and Jesus often justifiably so uh, criticized certain individuals or groups, but this time he 's actually criticizing specific towns and he 's criticizing these towns because he went into these towns, he performed many miracles, thinking like yeah they're gonna when they 're going to believe when they see this, right? surely we would. He provided undeniable proof that he was the son of God acting with the power of God. But these towns kind of crossed their arms and said, we don't believe you, show us more. And so Jesus is criticizing them and their unbelief. Uh, And he makes no bones about what their eternity is going to look like because they refuse to come to him. But then Jesus kind of pivots off that criticism and he has some words for people who will come to him, who will have a relationship with them and what they will experience as a result of that. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So Jesus basically says, Hey, are you tired? Are you worn out from from life and your schedule? Are you burned out because of all the things you have to do? He says, yeah, then then, then come to me. If that's how you feel, come to me if you want to recover from life. Come to me if you want to find this thing called real rest. Come to me if you're tired of the pace that you're running. Come to me if you want to live freely and lightly. I gotta be honest, that probably sounds great to a lot of us. We're probably thinking, yes, Jesus, give me some of that. But the problem is, most of us have been trained for efficiency. We've been so trained for efficiency that, that Jesus' proposal for us to find real rest, it sounds almost unproductive. Well, how could I find that rest? You're you are don't know how busy I need to be. For a lot of us, we, we think of this idea of rest and we're like, no, I pride myself on how much I get done. That is just irresponsible to pursue rest. Some of us probably think that sounds lazy. Jesus is promising us real rest and some of us are like, but... But that sounds selfish. I know that there's a lot of us who, when we hear this idea of prioritizing rest, coming to Jesus and getting the rest he promises, some of us, we start to feel guilty. Like, I, I don't know if I can take that time. And it's not that we don't need rest, because I think we all know that we do. But for most of us, the only time that we prioritize this idea of resting is so we can recharge our batteries so we can endure another long season of productivity. Our goal is not to rest. Our goal is to to do more and to do it better. Take all of our energy and resources we do and we direct it towards doing, and then we wonder why we continually feel so empty. But Jesus offers us something drastically different. He's offering us real rest for our, our mind, real rest for our body, and real rest for our soul. The type of rest that we will find nowhere else in the world because Jesus offers the type of rest that is not of this world. Which begs the question: Like if that's we, we want that we know we need that, then how can we receive it? And the first thing Jesus says is, "Come to me." He says, "Come to me." That's where we're going to start. If you want this rest I'm offering, you need to come to me. And a lot of us are like, "Box checked, Jesus." I remember I gave my life to you that one time at summer camp. I already I already came to you, Jesus. Don't you remember that one conference? All that energy, all those emotions. I came to you then. Or some of us are thinking, "Well, no, Jesus." I'm not experiencing that rest. I came to you, though. Remember that one time at church. But here's the problem. Some of us think that we came to Jesus and gave him our life, but the reality is we only came to Jesus and gave him a moment. We came to Jesus and we gave him that moment at summer camp. We came to Jesus and we gave him that that moment at that conference. We gave him that moment that one time at church. But none of us will ever experience the rest that Jesus promised he would provide until we actually give our life to him. We have to give our life. We won't experience the rest that Jesus offers until every single moment of every single day we're trying to hand the reins over to him. It's no wonder that people of faith will be tired and burdened and weary when we're just pulling from our limited resources, giving Jesus a moment here or there. But what Jesus is saying is if you want real rest for your soul, then you're going to have to get it from, you're going to draw it from my unlimited supply of life. And finally, the rest that Jesus offers, it's only going to come to people when we start practicing this thing that the Bible refers to as abiding. It's maybe not a word we use a lot, abiding. It means uh, to remain, to stay, to reside. In the biblical book of John, Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful. Unless you remain in me. No wonder why some of us are so tired and burdened. We think we're, we're just drawing on a slow death. You know, we cannot receive the benefits that Jesus offers if we are not continually abiding and remaining in and being connected to him. If we want those benefits, we got to be in it with him. Now, believe it or not, this reminds me a little bit of a scenario that I ran into at, at Target a few months ago, right? And that sounds wild, but, but hear me out. I, I went to Target to grab a few things. We all know who this is going to go, right? So many of us, we go into Target, we get a basket and Target's like, you're going to need the cart. And we're like, let's, get, let's do the cart, right? And you walk out there's there so much more than you need. I was going to grab a few things, but then I had this brilliant idea that I'm actually going to uh, buy clothes for my wife. Um, I know what conventional wisdom says about buying clothes for your wife. It says it's a dumb idea. Um, but historically speaking, and if my wife was here right now, she would verify it's true, that I have done really well at buying clothes for my wife. She's always thrilled. She's always surprised. She doesn't buy anything for herself. And so I was, I was so happy to do it again. We'll come back to the middle of the story. The end of the story is, of course, yes, this time my wife hated everything I bought her. I presented it to her. They were folded like you would at the store, which makes it look more attractive. I handed it to her. And she looked at me after holding everything and throwing it down. And she said, why are you trying to dress me like an old woman? I didn't think I was. Ends up, she was right. Because the next day, I went back to Target to return the clothes. And behind the counter is someone I'd categorize as an old woman. And she said, I can't believe your wife wants you to take these back. They're beautiful pieces. Absolutely, 100%. I was trying to dress my wife like an old woman. I get it, right? But on on that day when I was initially shopping, I was just pushing that cart around the women's section. I was astonished by the deals that you ladies get in your section, right? I was looking around. Prices were slashed. Some things were buy one, get one. I thought to myself, are they going out of business? How can you stay in business with deals like this? So I I kind of add up the price. I counted the cost, and I go to the cash register. And the cashier, he starts to ring everything up, and I'm sitting there, and I notice nothing is even remotely priced as what I had just read. And I'm not the type of person who would ever send food back. Like, I don't ever want to hurt feelings. And so I thought, I'm, I'm going to have... I've got to say something. This is so much more expensive than I ever thought. And there were a couple of people b- behind me, and you could tell that they thought this... They got behind me, so like, this is going to be quick. And I was like, my face said, this is, is going to be... I'm sorry, your milk's going to go bad. Like, that's how long this was going to take. And, and so I, I looked at the, the gentleman, the cashier, and I said, uh, sir, that these prices aren't right. And he said... Let me see your circle app, which felt very personal because I didn't even know what that was at the, at the time. Let me see your circle app. So I asked the cashier, he said, can you clarify? Are these, these are not priced what they are. I've idea you're talking about. And he said, rather boldly, He was on a bad day. He said, sir, you only get the lower price. You only get the buy one, get one if you are part of the Cir- target circle rewards program. Do you understand? And a bit sheepishly, I said, so you're telling me I only get the benefits I read about if I commit to being a part of this program. It was wild to me, but as I thought about it and my wife pointed out, this is absolutely the case, right? We see setups like this all over our culture where you only get the benefits that you read about if you're a part of the program. And in a spiritual sense, some of us really do think that we are going to get the benefits of abiding in Christ just by being somewhat near Christ. When it comes to receiving that rest, a lot of us think like, oh, well, so I'll get that rest and peace that Jesus promises just by being in church. But you'll only get the rest and peace that Jesus promises by actually being continually in the presence of Christ. There has to be this daily commitment to abiding in him if we want that rest in our lives. So sometimes I think a few of the questions we have to wrestle with is, You know, am I actually giving Jesus enough of my life to experience his rest? Or am I just settling for being in church? Am I really giving Jesus enough of my life that he can redeem me from the pace of the world? He can redeem me from the busyness of my schedule. And he can redeem me from the weight and burden of other people's demands. We got to consider, like, if we're we're tired, we got to ask ourselves, well, am I even making worship a part of my daily routine? Or is worship just about what songs Fort Christian Church sings on the Sundays I come to church? We could ask ourselves, am I taking the time to communicate with Jesus every day as often as I can? Am I am I opening scripture to actually get to know Jesus so I can live like Jesus instead of settling for just being saved by Jesus? Am I resting in everything he has already done for me? Or am I just relying on my own strength? And here's a big one that I think when we start feeling selfish you know, or guilty about finding rest. Here's one that I think we need off the hook for. This is so good. We got to ask ourselves, am I aware of the way that God has created me? Am I aware of the moments and experiences that he has provided in this world that fill me up when I am so drained? Like, are we actually making time for those? Are we feeling guilty and shameful about it? Do we feel selfish? I can tell you there are many scenarios in life where we can cut corners. It's absolutely true. But finding the rest that Jesus offers isn't one of them. We have to come to him and be committed to him if we want to experience real rest in our lives. So come to me, Jesus said, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. In one sentence, Jesus describes a commonality that we will all experience at some point in our lives. I can guarantee you all of us at one point or another will experience these moments or these seasons where we're, we're weary, where we're tired, where we're sick of carrying heavy burdens, and sometimes we can point the finger to what it is. It's a project, right? It has a name. It has a face. We know what is draining us, but I think a lot of times we have no idea the source of our weariness. It's this long stretch of life where there's just so many situations and experiences and it can seem so complicated and and rest what Jesus is promising. It seems hopeless. And into our daily lives, into that muck of reality, the weight that we face every day, Jesus speaks hope. And Jesus didn't say, you know what? I know you're tired. Why don't you chin up? You know, I, I know that you feel like you're just so drained, but it's about time you look on the bright side. He doesn't say that. He doesn't come into our lives and say, hey, I know what you're experiencing, the burdens, the weight, how tired you are, but all right, the glass is half full. Would you just look at it that way? He doesn't do that because such exhaustion in our world cannot be relieved by some witty statement or some better perspective. The exhaustion that we face in our everyday life needs something stronger. And back in the book of John, we see Jesus tell us here on earth, You will have many trials and sorrows. There is a promise of God that we didn't anticipate right here on earth. You have many trials and sorrows. Jesus is saying, Hey, heads up, you're going to face burdens. There's going to be things that wear you out, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Simply put the burdens of our soul, the weight of our world can only be lifted by the one who has overcome the world. Such exhaustion that we're going to face in in our life is only relieved by regularly involving Jesus in our life and saying, Jesus, here's here's what I'm going to do. You say, come to me. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to abide in you. And I'm going to trust that you're going to do the heavy lifting. But if Jesus promises rest, then why does he say this, this goofy thing out of nowhere? He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls, and here's that word again. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So, yoke is a word we don't use a lot, but a, but a yoke is actually a, a harness that, that that bulls or oxen or even other animals uh, wore around their necks when they are doing farm work. Um, it's a labor tool. Which then begs the question: What work is Jesus wanting us to do to experience what He promises? What work is required of us? Jesus' work seems to be the opposite of what we're trying to achieve here. What are you pulling on us? And this is a question that he easily answered to early followers of his who were wondering the exact same thing. And so Jesus told them, and he tells us, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. This is the only work God wants for you. Believe in the one he has sent. If you want to experience the rest that Jesus promises you have to start by believing in him and trusting in him. Everything else will flow from that, but but that is our work. That is what is required of us, to pursue Jesus and grow every day in our faith and in our trust in him. And through that path, we will find rest. And as we grow in the trust of Jesus, we we continually hand him the reins of our life. You know, Back to this yoke terminology, when animals are yoked together, uh, they're actually controlled by their master who is at the reins. And so taking on Jesus' yoke is about having this willingness to give up control of our life. Because in the release of our life to Jesus, we find, as verse 30 tells us, that his load is lighter than ours. His load is lighter than the one people are trying to put on us. His load is easier to bear. And that is where we find rest. When we take the yoke of Jesus upon us, our master, what happens? He's at the reins, so we move together step in step. We can't go in different directions than he does. We can't move through life any faster than he lets us. When we take the yoke of Jesus, he sets the direction and he sets the pace. In The message paraphrase of Matthew 16, 24, I, I love how this is worded. Jesus says, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. So can I ask you, are you tired? A lot of us, the answer is Yes. Are you worn down? Are you weary? Is the the, the burdens in your life, the demands other people are putting on you, is it just too much? For a lot of us, the answer is yes. So then who is setting the pace for your life right now? Who's setting the pace of your life? Is it you? Is it the demands of other people? Who's setting the pace of your life? Is it Christ? Christ? Because I tell you what, I've lived through this so much and I'm trying to just wrap my head around what this looks like in my life. And if, it's, if you're setting the pace for your life, if other people's demands are setting the pace for your life, then no wonder we're tired, no wonder we're weary, no wonder we're worn down from this unrealistic and unhealthy pace that the creator of the world didn't create you and I to maintain in the first place. But then there's Jesus making an offer for tired people exactly like you and me who just need rest, people who desire a new way of living that is so different than the world puts in front of us. And I promise you, we will be fooled into seeing so many generic versions of rest that can get us through a season, but only Jesus can provide the type of rest that sinks down into our soul and gives us the relief of a lifetime. But it's up to each one of us to actually answer Jesus' call for rest. Just being in church isn't going to do it for you. Just listening to Christian radio isn't going to do it for you. Just because you made a decision for Jesus many months or years ago, that one moment's not going to do it for you. We each have to make the decision to come to him, to remain or abide in him, to trust him, and then move forward being guided by him every day of our lives. This is the only way that we will find the redeeming rest that we need. So will you answer that call? Will you and your family answer that call? Will we let Jesus lead. And let me pray for all of us that we find the courage to do so. Let's pray. God, I'm so, so thankful. I feel like I always need to start my prayers off that way because you've done so much for me. You've done so much for us. And we are so thankful, especially that in your love, you're willing to provide rest that we need from this weary world that we live in. This world and in the pace that it asks, suggests, or commands us to run is absolutely relentless. It is draining and it most often leads us away from the peace and rest that you have in mind for us. We will not find the life you have in store for us by running the way the world tells us. So God, may we find boldness to accept this timeless invitation that your son Jesus has given us to come to him so we can find rest. And also, may we not buy into that lie that being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus is all about doing, 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 or or feeling guilty. But may we take seriously this command to come to your son, Jesus, and just simply rest. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.